Hey guys, welcome back to another live episode of the Keto 911 podcast. I am your host, Daniel, the Keto EMT. And I just, last time we had Mr. Tom King on and we just had such a good time and it was so much fun. And then I was like, I said, you know what? Um, to honor um, Women's History Month and to honor Black History Month, which I missed last month, um, I want to make sure that I was able to um, ask a good uh, individual doctor, physician, clients, all the above, if she could come back. I did interview her on my podcast, only audio. And now that we have the virtual video aspect of it, I I just wanted to make sure that I she was, if not the first person, the second person that I was able to, to bring to you all here today. So I'm going to, just like always, I'm going to read her bio. Uh, Dr. Mila Marie Williams is a board certified uh, family physician with a passion of holistic health. As she had, was challenged by weight loss, resistance, and personal health problems, she was struck by how many others had similar struggles by adopting a ketogenic lifestyle. She lost 30 pounds and maintained the, lo the loss by embracing various wellness practices. She is a creator and host of the Single Well podcast and also helps single moms and women curate a personalized wellness plan in her coaching program of the same name. So without further ado, I will not take up any more of her time because I know we're on a time schedule because I know we all parents and stuff like that. I, I bring to you the one and the only Dr. Mila. Hello. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Super excited to talk again. Of course. Of course. We had such a great time last time. So yeah. everybody knows me if they haven't mm -hmm. known me because now all, I can get all my other friends and family members involved and, you know, and a lot of... uh. Uh, good friends of mine who are women who are definitely looking forward to this episode, um, especially once I um, posted the link up because they were like, do you do anything about uh, for women? I said, I can talk with points, <laughs> but since I don't subscribe to that demographic, I would better, it, it would be better to have somebody who can actually speak to that experience. So that's why I definitely want to go ahead and have you here. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Dr. Mila, could you give us a, a brief overview of your experience with keto and, 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 and the healthy lifestyle? Absolutely. Um, you know, as you know, keto is one of my favorite subjects. Um, you know, I found this lifestyle when I was trying to lose weight. You know, we hear that a lot. You know, I was trying to lose weight and I just kind of wanted something that I could do more naturally. Um, I was to a point where I didn't want to have to keep like counting points and doing different things like that. Um, and so I was like, okay, I've got to figure this out. And so um, I bought the book Nutrition for Dummies. I still have it because it's my reminder of the beginning of my journey. That did not help me at all, needless to say. Um, but I, I discovered um, fasting through the book, The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. And um, some of my physician colleagues were actually talking about it and saying how life-changing it was. And so I read it in a couple of days and just couldn't believe the simplicity of it, but yet the um, absolute profundity of it as well. So of course I had to try it. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this and found it to be pretty simple to just not have to worry about food. Cause to be honest, the breakfast I was eating was not helping anyone, wow. but I was just eating to, you know, eat because you have to eat breakfast. So um, once I realized I could skip breakfast and feel good, I continued with that, um, started doing like a 16 and eight fast, meaning I ate for 
um, eight hours a day or over the course of eight hours a day and then fasted for 16. And it was completely like simple for me. And then over time, I started to get interested in the quality of what I was actually eating. I was like, you know, this is working for me. What can I do to, to improve what I'm actually eating? Because we don't think about that a lot of times. You know, we want something so that's a quick fix and we just want to do it. But I really started to get interested in there has to be something to the type of food you're eating. And if you've um, ever read or, or listened to any of Dr. Fung's um, um, interviews, he's not staunchly keto, but he does talk about low carb and things like that. Um, he will talk about keto sometimes. But essentially, it led me down that path of like, oh, OK, so do I want to cut down carbs and do I want to do paleo? Do I want to do, you know, there's all these different things. And I just kind of landed on keto and started to follow that. And I really didn't count carbs that stringently. I just kind of started eating meat, veg, and healthy fat. That's what I did. And as I went through, I started to notice I was less hungry. But then as an aside, as a surprise, a lot of my health conditions started to improve. Um, and this was something that was a surprise because our um, training tells us that those things, if you get reflux, you get, and these are all things I had, plantar fasciitis, you get, um, I had hydradenitis, which is a skin condition. Um, mm -hmm. I had back pain. I had issues getting out of bed. Like I was getting out of bed hobbling um, where I couldn't walk straight for like an hour or so in the morning. And I just thought it was aging. I was in my, you know, thirties and I was like, oh, this is just normal. And then at some point I was like, you know, this is probably not, you know, what we should be doing. So once I did that, I started to, to go through that. And then I started to notice that when I got my labs done, things were better there as well. And I never had really terrible labs. Like I didn't have high cholesterol or anything. I had, um, I did have prediabetes at that point and my blood pressure was high. Um, and I thought that was genetic. Both of my parents have high blood pressure. So um, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, this is just part, part of the, the, uh, um, the course of my life um, until I found keto. And so what keto did for me, and this is why I always try to distinguish a lot of people, you know, there's a lot, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that. There's a lot of controversy surrounding keto in particular. Um, and what I always tell people is it's really just eating healthy food. I did a lot of programs before where they told me what to eat and how much to eat, but not like the why behind it. And what keto right. taught me was why I was eating that way and why I want other things to improve. So that also led to me changing the way that I treated my hair and my skin and the types of food, the types of containers I drank my water out of and ate my food out of and just really understanding that everything was interacting with my body, not just the food. And so that's why I love it. Um, it helps me to keep a good foundation now that, you know, you it evolves as you do it. Things change right. and shift. Um, I do add in some more, you know, fruit and things like that here and there because I'm more on a, like a pathway kind of thing where I can just kind of do what I need to do for that time. I listen to my body, but it's, it gets to the point where you know the foundation you have and you're not way off the rails, you know, or when you do decide to have a relaxed day, you do it and you're comfortable. And that's what it's provided for me. I've never been able to do anything this long. Um, so I've been keto for um, five years. I've been on this lifestyle for five years now. And um, it's just not failed me. You know, I've been able to really navigate a lot of life changes in this lifestyle. And, you know, one of the most important things is that um, aspect of it really enhanced the other aspects of my wellness, which is what I, um, I focus on. And what I'm passionate about is my spiritual journey, um, emotional, physical, mental, relational. Um, all of those things have improved as a result of choosing this lifestyle. Awesome. Awesome. Uh my drop. There it is. That's the <laughs> so, so with the 
Okay, so we also we all know that the standard American diet, highly saturated in carbohydrates, sugars, mm-hmm. and everything that's unhealthy. And and for our communities, you know, it's the cheapest thing that's available. Yes. You know, so with that being, I, and I and I call that the pandemic before the pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. food deserts, all you know, X Absolutely. Y and Z. What is the number one thing? And, and let me just shift it this way for women. What is the number, what are some of the main issues that come with, you know, obesity? Because I know with obesity, you still have the issues with high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, hypertension. Those are some of the main big names that are out there. But what are some of the things that you've seen as as far as treating patients that are associated with, you know, the the unhealthy eating and dieting? Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much, you know, um, you know, as a family physician, um, and I've transitioned out of traditional family medicine and now basically do um, obesity medicine. So um, this is kind of like my past life now. But it, it, what was cool about it was I was able to see and have a r- real front row seat to some of these chronic conditions that um, affect us and not just the big ones, like you said, but these other ones that are associated with the big ones that we don't realize um, because we just kind of put them all in silos. You know, it's like you have high blood pressure, you have diabetes, you have cholesterol, you have gout, you have sleep apnea, they're all separate, but they all fit together and they all come come down to something called insulin resistance where your insulin, the main hormone that helps your glucose get where it needs to go in the body is kind of you know, overwhelming the system and the body is trying to push back on it because there's too much of it. Um, that's a very simplified version of it. It causes a lot of things, but essentially it's under and underlying a lot of these conditions. And as a physician, what I noticed was that I was having a harder and harder time of helping people, you know, navigate these problems. Um, I was able to do it. I always say, you know, I was trained well, I, I felt good about the job that I was doing, but there was just not a lot of answers. Um, you know, I was doing the best I could, but I didn't have the answers I wanted to have. And when you talk about women, um, you know, in particular, um, some of the things that I saw a lot of that were probably stemming from this issue um, or related to it were things like endometriosis and polycystic ovarian syndrome and the hydradenitis I mentioned. That's a condition where you get bumps on in your underarms or your axillary um, area, you know, your thighs, you know, anywhere your skin rubs, you can have these things. And everybody thought they had MRSA, you know, or had something else like that. Um, so many women had that. And when I would talk to them about it, they're like, oh, I didn't know what that was. I just thought it was just my skin or something I was using on my skin or that it was shaving or whatever. So these all these things that we think about that are due to something else that really have to do with that. Um, one of the biggest ones is infertility. Um, you know, I know we've all noticed how many women have trouble um, conceiving. And that comes from both sides. Um, men have issues with insulin resistance and things related to that that cause their issues. And women also do as well. And um, what it comes down to is the way that we're created. Um, our bodies are created to procreate. And so when we can't, when we're, the body's not in tip-top shape, um, the body will start to kind of oppose that and make it so that you really can't conceive. And it's not 100%. We all know people that are have a lot of health issues and are still able to, to have a pregnancy and a successful pregnancy. But it is harder when you have these health conditions. So that's something that a lot of women... And in my experience, over the 18 or so years I did family medicine, it just absolutely exploded to the point where it was very common that people were having struggles with that. So women have a lot of issues um, that come up and things that they think are due to something else that can be kind of traced back to 
a problem with their their diet and their nutrition. And what I'll also say about that is the reason I made that connection is um, because I would start asking them, you know, once I started to learn about this lifestyle and saw what it did for me and started to study uh, mm-hmm. these changes that were going on in my body, I got curious about, you know, what they were eating. And I just started asking that question, um, you know, what are you eating? And nine times out of 10, um, with the problems I listed and also things like vaginal discharge, uh, bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, things like that, nine times out of 10, they were eating this, some form of the standard American diet, usually involving a high sugar intake. Um, right. So it was very, very interesting to see how often or how common that really was. Wow. I honestly didn't know any of that being to do. Yeah. We, you know, we just like eat, think about eat this and we all right. right. You know, we get the Dunlap syndrome with your belly mm-hmm. then lapped over your belt and everything. And, um, right. and, you know, that's just one of the things that we just kind of hold there. But, um, but thank you. That's, that's, that's really, really enlightening. Cause uh, that's one of the things is one of the, uh, the questions uh, that uh, my sister, she's actually watching this mm-hmm. and, um, she was saying that uh, <laughs> fertility was a concern with this as well. Mm-hmm. So, so along with that, hmm, for those who are insulin dependent, for those who have di- uh, diabetes, type two mm-hmm. diabetes, you know, that's primarily uh, food based. How does one transition on keto safely mm-hmm. while still being dependent on ins- insulin to um, wind up helping them with weight loss? Is it, is it possible? So is it someone who has type two and is on insulin for treatment? Is that what you're referring to? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So that's a tough one, right? Because insulin, no matter what the source, it creates a storage, I would call it a storage problem. Um, Insulin is a storage hormone. So it's encouraging your body to store fat. Its job is to um, take that extra glucose and an extra energy coming in, I should say, and make it into fat that can be stored for us to use later. But we don't end up having the opportunity to do that. So we end up with these issues, like you mentioned, the Dunlap, which is that increased waist circumference. A lot of people think it's a normal part of aging. It is not. It's part of the insulin resistance syndrome. So when you have someone on insulin, and it's a tough thing to say because people get hear this and they're like, oh, I don't need, you know, always listen to your doctor, take your medicine. We are not giving medical advice. But the insulin helps to get the blood sugar down. At the point that your doctor has to give you insulin, it's typically at a point where your glucose is so high that it's inherently dangerous to your health and maybe to your life. So when that insulin level gets, I mean, that glucose level gets super high, it can be so damaging. Um, It actually changes the structure of your cholesterol and it damages your blood vessels, which is the main um, complication of diabetes all have to do with blood vessel issues. If you if you think about it, um, a couple of neuro, you know neuropathic things, but a lot of it has to do with the blood vessels and damage there. Right. So um, that is what's going on. And so if you are you know have a high sugar level, your doctor really has no choice at a certain point but to put you on insulin. Is it a life sentence like where you have to stay on it forever? Typically not. That is not, however, what we are taught in medical school. Once you're on insulin, it's kind of like that's what you need to be on to keep your blood sugar down. But what happens is, you know, as you're on insulin, you tend to need more and more and more of it. And that has to do with that same process, that insulin resistance. The body is going to keep pushing back on it because it knows that that insulin level is high. There's going to it's going to cause a problem with the blood sugar. So it's always trying to balance things out. 
And so it's going to just keep ramping it up. And so what I would find is, you know, I had a lot of people that were on hundreds of units of insulin. And to put it in perspective, if you start someone on insulin, you put them on about 10 units, five to 10 units of insulin. And a lot of people end up over time on 100, 150 units, which is a massive amount. And it's because of that resistance that their body's mounting. But at the same time, their body is actually making insulin. Um, it can change after a while where the body, the pancreas kind of burns out, but that's more of an advanced state. But they're making insulin, their body's resisting it. You're adding more insulin, their body's resisting that, and you're adding more. And that insulin is a storage hormone. So you're going to continue gaining weight. So it can be very, very tough. The key is removing the thing that's causing the insulin to go up. So at the point that your blood sugar is super high, yes, you may need that insulin to, to be alive, to remain alive. A lot of times, yeah. if, you, if you don't, you may end up in the ICU in the intensive care unit. It's that serious. And a lot of people don't realize that because when their blood sugar is high, they're used to it mm-hmm. until it gets really bad. So don't wait for that. <laughs> you know, there's symptoms, but a lot of times your body will just keep going and, until it can't. Um, but you can get really sick if you let it get high. So it's not a matter of not taking the insulin without your doctor's, you know, guidance. It's a matter of stopping the stimulus. So what stimulates insulin in our body to be released is the intake of anything that turns into glucose in the body, glucose or fructose. Well, fructose is a little different, but glucose mainly for, for simplicity. So when you eat something that turns into sugar in the body, then you're going to need more insulin. And what people find is that as they cut back on that carb dial, that's something Dr. Mm-hmm. Ken Berry talks about a lot that I love is everybody has a different dial of carbohydrates. So you might need 50 grams and I might need 50, you know, 58 and another person might only need 22. And if they eat more than that, their body still is having issues. Whereas, you know, you just find where that is for you. And that's why, you know, keto is defined as typically 20 grams or less for most people. Um, but you don't necessarily have to stay in that place. It's just getting it down to a point where you don't have to secrete excessive insulin. As long as you're stimulating insulin, your body's going to keep needing more and more and more of it to function well. Um, and so that's the simple thing. It's it's funny because this wasn't the way we were taught. <laughs> and so when we yeah. when I finally sat down and learned about it, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's so simple. You just stop eating the carbohydrates are cut way, way back on them and the, the the needs for insulin come down. But what's really important is you mentioned doing it safely. So doing it safely is very, very important. As much as you may not want to go over this with your doctor, I know it can be nerve wracking and scary and all that. You have to, because you can really cause another problem by going on a ketogenic lifestyle without monitoring. Because if you start doing that, your blood sugar is going to drop drastically. And if you're taking insulin on top of that, you can get really sick that way too. So it's important to talk to your doctor about it. If your doctor is just not on board at all and won't help you and is really opposing it, then you may want to find another doctor, but you want to be um, guided through that process for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much for that clarification. I have a question. I believe you Mm -hmm. touched on it, but um, for those who are watching, uh, I have this going on my, my personal page. The podcast page and it's going to my YouTube channel. So I got one question from a good friend. Um, Let me see if I can. Yeah, there it is. Is insulin not connected with being overweight? So that is kind of it depends on how you look at it. Um, Insulin, the medication, the injectable medication 
um, can, can cause weight gain. When we put people on insulin, they do tend to gain weight because of just what I was talking about, that storage process. So yes, they can start to gain more weight. And, you know, it's funny because that's what people tell you, you know, oh my gosh, I started taking insulin and I started gaining weight. But like I said, sometimes you're in that quandary where you're at a point where your blood sugar is so high that we have to do something like that to get it, to get the blood sugar down. And it's a process. So your doctor may put you on insulin and then have to work, you have to work your way back down by changing your lifestyle. Um, but insulin, the medicine can definitely cause weight gain. Insulin in our bodies also causes weight gain when it's in excess. Um, but the insulin, the external exogenous insulin, which is what we call it, um, that you inject can certainly cause weight gain. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. So uh, everybody who's given, a, given more questions, by all means, feed them in, feed them <laughs> in, feed them in. This is your opportunity to definitely um, have, a, have a chance to get a question answered or a concern addressed because a lot of the times we may not know what to ask. You know, we may be afraid of, you know, of, of, of what we may find out. But the best thing about it is, is this is this is why I do what I do, how I do it. I like the education aspect of it. I love the understanding of it because I want to make an informed decision about anything that I do regarding my health. I don't trust anybody else to take care of me but me. So the same thing when it comes to everybody else, please take this opportunity to ask these questions, to get the inf information so that way you can make informed decisions about your health, because we only have one life. We, a lot of my friends who are on here have children, have families, and we want to be there for them. So this is the thing. This is the time. So that way we can do it. This is why I have this platform. This is why I'm doing it. And this is not just for, for, for the ladies, uh, fellas. This is how you learn how to take care of your lady because we lose weight differently than women do. The PCOS, we don't have, you know, a lot of the other issues that men don't have that women do, you need to understand this. So that way, one, if you have a, a significant other, a woman that's, that's taking this, that's having this lifestyle with you and is taking this journey with you. You can understand that when she may see you lose a whole lot of weight quicker and she's not, you know, so that way you're, you're understanding and you're sympathetic and you're empathetic to that. You know, one of the main things that I say, and I'm sorry, Dr. Mila, you know me, I go off on these tangents. Um, <laughs> what you're, what the main purpose about the ketogenic lifestyle is to improve your overall health and well-being. One of the side effects that I say that comes with it is weight loss. It's a side effect. It's a fantastic side effect, but if you're going to use keto for a quick fix, don't because you're going to hurt yourself because if you go into it with the expectations of I need to lose this weight quick to do something, you're going to do something wrong. You're going to hurt yourself and then you're going to be like, keto didn't work for me. No, you didn't do it right. You didn't do it safely. You tried to sprint a marathon and you're going to hurt yourself if you do that. So you have to go into it carefully. You have to understand where, what's going on with your body because your body is going to be different than anybody else's out there. So one of the main things that I recommend is that you go to your primary care physician, see where your baseline is, see where your, see where your labs are, see exactly where you are so that way you can see where, you, where, your, where your foundation is, where your starting point is. So that way you can track it and you can trace it. And then with the, with the guide of your physician, you can go about doing it safely. 
because if you have an underlying condition with either weight, um, cancer, diabetes, you want to make sure that you're, you're doing it safely. So that way you can get the best results that you can. And the, and the sad part about it is, is that we, social media, what we're doing right now has a whole bunch of things that discourage a whole lot of people quickly. Yeah. You see what these people look like in these TikTok videos and these filters with these bodies and these muscles and, and these, and, and they're like, oh, I sat up here and I put this magical drop in my belly button and I lost 85,000 pounds. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't use that. that as a guide to where you want to be. Yeah. Be healthy. Your body is made a specific way. The healthy part of it is where we're trying to get you to. Okay. If not, look, I'm not ever going to look the way that I did coming out of basic training in the military. I ain't never going to look like that. And I look amazing. <laughs> I just want to be the healthiest version of me that's possible. So that way I can be there for my wife and for my kids. That's it. Simple, mm-hmm. simple, simple, simple. And I, and that's all. Um, and that's the, and that's the reason why uh, we're having this. If I could, Dr. Milo. Mm-hmm. What are some of the personal things that you experienced during your ketogenic lifestyle change? <clears throat> you mean in like just myself or my relation to other people or just. If, if, if you general. would, if it was, your, how was your journey? What things did you experience? What things happened? Yeah. So, you know, um, it's a good question because a lot of people don't ask me that question. Um, so when I first went keto and I think it, I want to reiterate something you were talking about is that all of our bodies are different. Um, Something that happens quite a bit is that we have made um, obesity a characteristic, a a character flaw, if you will. And um, in relationships especially, it becomes kind of the the thing that kind of creates this tension because um, sometimes there's this assumption that the person doesn't want to get better or that, well, we're both doing keto and she's only lost five pounds and I've lost 25. And so she's not really doing this. I think she's eating other stuff. You have to understand the differences in our bodies, that we are not our weight and that that is not your, um, you know, that's not your identity. And that's something I had to learn. So that's one of the main things I had to learn um, when I went keto was that the weight on the scale is not the end all be all. It's, it's just your gravitational pull on the earth. It's not anything else but that. Um, So that's a big one. But for me, um, something we don't talk about a lot is that keto changes how your body functions over time. So a lot of diets are really like we talked about earlier, you just kind of eat something and, you know, you might lose some weight and you may feel a little bit better, but it doesn't really resolve a lot of things. Um, And it's not sustainable. Um, For me, it was very sustainable. It was something that, like I said, I incorporated fasting first, which is unusual. Most people do it the other way. Um, And I started to do it you know, and felt really good about it. But what I also found was that um, I started burning fat rapidly and our body's fat stores hold toxins, um, hold things that it's trying to protect us from. And I firmly believe that what has started happening was I was burning fat at such a rate that some of these things were being released. And so in my first six months, seven months, um, I did okay for the first, probably first five or so. But around month six, I developed severe hives, rashes that lasted for like two months or so. Um, I saw the top allergist who I happened to have gone to medical school with. She was like the head of allergy at Ohio State University. (laughs) And so, I mean, this was like somebody who knows her stuff, right? 
couldn't yeah. figure it out, didn't know why I was having it. My whole, my whole face would swell, lips swelling, all of that. And I could have gotten discouraged and been like, oh, keto doesn't work for me. I can't do it. But I knew something was changing in my body. Um, so that was one thing. We never figured out what was causing it. She thought it was some kind of virus because I had gone to Texas and she thought it was something that I had contracted while I was there. It was weird. Um, but it just kind of over time, it got better. I firmly believe it was the changes in my body that that led to that. Um, I also started having problems with my period. Um, you know, after probably like that, that went I went keto probably in the spring of 2017. So this was the, probably the end of the year. Um, you know, fall, winter. I started having these really heavy periods, heavy cycles, and they were just ridiculous. <laughs> Anybody that has periods, you don't want to have them anyway. And then when they're longer and more problematic. Um, I believe that was also part of um, the process of just my body over time adjusting, changing your um, fat stores in a way that you haven't done before. Um, we store a lot of estrogen in our fat store, in our fatty tissue as well. So you end up with that. A lot of things kind of create this increased estrogen storage in our bodies, um, external things, some of the things like we talked about earlier, um, plastic yeah. exposure, stuff like that. So I think that hormonal milieu, so to speak, caused me to have these really heavy, crazy periods for a while. Yeah. Still didn't deter me, but I know a lot of people get deterred by those things. And so what you have to understand is that if your body's doing that, it doesn't mean that the, that the lifestyle is affecting you in that way. It really could mean that your body is just changing in a way that you haven't changed before and that you have to kind of see what's going on. So instead of overhauling, I would tweak. I would say, okay, you know, maybe I need to increase the carbs a little bit. Maybe I need to decrease the carbs a little bit. Of course, that being said, you're already talking to your physician and your healthcare providers about what's going on with your body first. But been tweaking. A lot of times we want to just say, oh, I had this bad reaction. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't right. have any of those issues anymore, but I still eat this way. So I know right. that it wasn't the lifestyle itself, but just my body adjusting. So I always liken it to for people to really visualize what this is doing. Um, it's so powerful to change your lifestyle in this way um, that it's kind of like an auto plant. When they change out an auto plant to make a new car, they have to go in, shut the plant down, and change every last machine in there to accommodate that car. That's what your body's doing when you go, you know, a low carb or keto. It has to change everything about the way you function to burning fat instead of burning carbohydrates as its main source of fuel. So that takes time and it changes a lot of things <laughs> that your body does. Um, I think I also found, and somebody said this in a really, really great way the other day, but basically when you start to no, like when you know what's normal, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. easier to understand what's abnormal. So like when you start to feel better, it's like, wait a minute, that wasn't normal to feel that way. Your body does that. So your body starts to show you like those Twinkies that you were eating. I don't like those. <laughs> so you haven't had them in a while and you eat it. Your body is like, absolutely not. And it will show you, even though for 40 years you've been eating that, your body will show you. So a lot of times it's that too, that your body's now like, listen, you stopped giving me this. I didn't like it before, but I dealt with it. Now I really don't like it, you know? And I mean, yeah. any of us that have been in long-term relationships, marriages, that happens in our relationships, right? Like, okay, I've put up with this for a while and now we need to just, I just don't like when you do that, you know? Same kind yeah. of thing. That's what your body does. So just being mindful and thoughtful, it's part of that wellness journey and not 
you know, we all just want to overhaul. That's diet culture. You don't want to do that. Yeah. You just want to switch everything around. Just start tweaking things. Talk to your doctor, but tweak and, and, and revise and reform. Thank you. <laughs> I could, I'm serious. And, 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 and being on keto, and for those who know, yeah, I fell off. Okay. You see the little carb face <laughs> going on right here. But We all but do at some point. It, and then I can tell you, the second that when you get what keto is, is, is the tune up to your body. You know, when we get older, we know that, you know, that check engine light comes on. We all know. But the thing about it is that check engine light is based off of what we've been putting in our body. A lot of these things that, that are, you know, mm. are in our ailments are based off of what we put in as fuel. You know, and how I've, how I've explained it to a lot of my friends is, you know, we don't breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast is the important, most important meal of the day. Is the biggest lie I ever told the man. <laughs> you know, you really don't need breakfast. How I have my breakfast is my bulletproof coffee. You know, and that's what gets me going. I have my water, my hydration that I usually eat once a day. And people look at me like, you're going to die. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But mm-hmm. it's based off of how you tr- take care of your body. And when I eat, when I go off and eat something I know I ain't supposed to eat, and I did, <laughs> I feel it. If not a me, if not a couple minutes after, oh, I get a headache in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my body is like, stupid. Why'd you do that? <laughs> right. Why'd you do that? You know, I'm gonna make you right. feel bad. And it's, by the time I get up in the morning, I'm like, uh, you're like, uh huh. Go ahead, get yourself right. Get yourself right. So moving on, um, I got a very very great question from my mom. Hi mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> she asks, can keto benefit cancer patients? Um, that's a tough one. You know, um, it's one of those things, you know, cancer is one of those things that nobody wants to toy around with, right? It's always like, are we doing the right thing? Should we be saying that? So cautiously, I will say that there is some evidence that it can help in some cases. What I would avoid doing is, um, saying, you know, seeing the oncologist and they're saying, Hey, you have this cancerous condition. This is what we need to do. And saying, well, I'm just going to do keto. Don't do that. (laughs) But you know, changing your lifestyle and the way that we've been talking about, it doesn't hurt to start cutting back on things, adjusting what you're eating, trying to be more mindful of what you're putting in your body. Because chances are, even if there's a genetic component, there's some environmental component to that cancer as well, where there's something you've been exposed to. There's It's an addition thing. It just kind of adds up. Um, a lot of times uh, we know that sugar, I mean, cancer loves sugar. Mm-hmm. That's a common knowledge when they test for cancer, something called a PET scan, it's based on it attaching to sugar molecules, you know, so it's um, something that uh, we know is there. And so everybody's hesitant to say, yes, it does, because we don't want people thinking like, oh, I'll just do this diet and not to get the treatment. So don't do that. But yes, there is some evidence that there is benefit to that. Um, Dr. Fung, Dr. Jason Fung has a book, I think it's called The Cancer Code, that has to do with that. Not necessarily keto per se. I'm sure he talks about it in that book or low carb um, and talks about how sugar, you know, plays a role. Um, so there is some some research being done. There's a lot of, um, you know, buzz around it. Um, some people talk about fasting, um, and which is mm-hmm. his expertise, um, which is kind of like, you know, one of the tenets of keto as well. Um, that can help with with cancer. So it is something that can help. Is it curative? We don't know. Um, will it prevent cancer? We don't necessarily know because there's so many factors involved um, that um, you know it's hard to say. But I would love to see 
evidence that, you know, yes, we know that this lifestyle decreases your risk of cancer. I think it'll come. It, you know, I don't know if it'll come in our lifetime, but hopefully <laughs> that will come because it is something that, again, it's another puzzle in medicine. It's like people get cancer. We don't know why. We just assume it's genetic or, well, you know, it's just luck of the draw. But I, I think there's more to it than that. I know there's more to it than just, you know, oh, it just happens. You know, um, there's a lot of things that can influence that for sure. So I, I think keto can be helpful, but you have to use caution with with that and work closely with your doctors. Awesome. Notice what we're saying. Notice the repetitive cycle of what's being said, folks. It's great to go into something to go ahead and improve your health. Always consult your physician first. Mm-hmm. Always consult your physician first because you don't want to do things to damage yourself further. You know, because when you if 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 you if you go into it's like it's like riding a bike with with one training wheel. You know, you you think that you're going to be all right, but then as soon as you make the wrong turn, then you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna be horrible. Please, mm-hmm. please, 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 consult your physicians first. See where you are first, so that way one you can get the full blueprint, and the doctors can help you fine tune what you need to do. If you're on medications, this is not saying just go ahead and stop taking medications. Please don't stop taking medications. My eyes don't got bad. Just, <laughs> don't just go cold turkey. Please right. don't. Please don't. I'm not. Look, I'm, don't do that. The doctors are going to help you manage your medication, so that way, one, if you need to change anything. They can help you go about the right way. If you need to alter anything, take something less or take something more. So that way, one, you can go about it safely. They can. And if you're having adverse reactions, especially if you have any underlying conditions, cancer, high blood pressure, diabetes, hypertension, they can help you manage it. So that way you're going about it the right way. Because we want to make sure that you're safe when you're doing this. I'm paramount in that. Um, I give you, and, and if I could just take a little bit moment and give everybody a little bit of background because they haven't really seen me talk about this face, mm-hmm. you know. You know, yeah. You know, EMS. <laughs> um, one of the main things that they told us at EMS in training before I even touched the truck is that in order to have a, a safe career, you have to watch your back. You have to take care of your back. Why? And they said this: America is heavy and getting heavier. One of the main things that I came across when I was picking up patients, you know, that were obese that were, and I was lifting and moving patients that were in the 300s to 350s plus all day, every day, is that as soon as you start to go, you know, you get your patient in the back of the ambulance and then you start to go over the medical history, you start to go over the medications list. I could start naming off lisinopril, statins, because I could just go ahead and I knew about it because I was so used to it. And it was the same thing every single time. For those who were who were heavy and those who were morbidly obese, and it's sad because you look at the situations where the communities are in, and yeah, I'm gonna go there. People, it's my page, it's my podcast. Y'all just gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> you know, in the black communities, we have what we call food deserts, mm-hmm. and it's in in the city that I'm in is very very pronounced on the north side where the where we have our African American, our black, and our brown communities. You have more fast food restaurants. You have more of the chicken joints, the burger places and everything. And you have grocery stores, but they're not the, the nicer grocery stores. But on the south, mm-hmm. southern parts of the town, you have all the organic stores, the the uh, natural grocers, the sprouts, you know, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Whole foods. Whole foods, you know. 
you have all those there. And then being being somebody who's on, you know, fixed income, you get what's affordable for your family. We all know that it's not good for us. We all know, you know, but we get what we can afford. So this is an avenue here to where, and I'm going to get to the Emerald Legacy part of it, you know, later on down the line to where you can eat healthy, even on a budget. But we know the we know the issues that plague our communities. Um, I, I I just got a question. Uh, my mom is helping me corral these mm-hmm. questions. Together. She's, a, she's <laughs> had a question. I, I got on a ransom. My mom was like, uh, "Sir, you have a question. Let me go ahead and make <laughs> me and light me up." Um, this is a good one, actually. Uh, my boy James Scott, my frat James Scott, he says, "Can keto help improve acid reflux?" Absolutely. Um, yes, I had the worst acid reflux. Um, I had it starting in medical school. Um, like most doctors, I don't like going to the doctor. So, um, it was so bad that it would cause chest pain. And of course, being in medical school, it was like, oh, I'm just stressed out. Oh, I'm just tired. Oh, if I just lay down, it'll go away. And I didn't understand (laughs) that. First of all, it had to do with what I was eating. But second of all, that, um, you know, that it was something that I could change with nutrition. Um, And I actually happened upon it accidentally. Um, Had it for years. Um, When you're pregnant, and this is important for women since we're talking about women's health. um, When you're pregnant, it's more common to have it um, during pregnancy. And so you just think, oh, it's just part of the deal. And I remember my my, um, food of choice (laughs) during pregnancy was like, some type of cereal with the marshmallows, you know, one of those with, you know, plenty of sugar. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. what I ate all the time. My son is to this day, the sugar monster, which I think plays a role too, because I've seen women who've had babies when they were eating lower carb and their kids love natural foods more than processed foods. Just a note for that. Um, but my child still loves sugar and I really truly believe that's why. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I ate a lot of cereal, you know, and it's considered normal. They just, you just need to eat. When you're pregnant, you just need to eat. And I just had this reflux. It was the whole time. It was terrible. Um, continued to have it after I had him, you know, it would come and go. Um, mm-hmm. Just like everybody else, I thought it was spicy food. I thought it was tomatoes. I thought it was citrus. I thought it was these different things. And I would try cutting those things out or limiting them or just accepting it when I had them. And when I went keto, um, I probably didn't notice it at first. You know how you just stop having something and you one day you think about it and you're like, wait a minute. So now to this day, I've probably had a handful of those episodes every okay. single, and that's in five years, probably five times, maybe five times I've had it that I can remember. And it's it, every time, 100%, I've eaten something starchy, <laughs> sugary, um, something like that. You know, um, one of my favorite examples is pizza. I used to eat pizza all the time and we say, oh, it's the tomato sauce. I'm like, the tomato sauce is probably the most healthy thing, arguably, on the pizza. But what do they normally put in there? Sugar. There's sugar in the Mm. tomato sauce. The bread is, you know, the pizza has the bread at the bottom. I can't even eat like thick crust pizza really anymore because of that. Um, and then, you know, who knows what else is on there? And, you know, the, the, we talked about the meat and that stuff. That's usually not the issue. It really has to do with um, that combination of like sugar and bread and all of that. How I know that is because now once in a while when I have pizza and I have the toppings, I don't have that problem. But if I have a bunch of pizza or a bunch of something sugary, that reflux comes right back. 
So it mm. absolutely does. And then when I thought I was just having this, I was like, okay, this is just a fluke. You know, I, my reflux is gone. Um, at the time, I would, again, start asking questions. It's like being able to really um, have people in front of me and I could ask and I'd say, you know, um, how long have you had your reflux? You know, what do you think causes it? And I would tell them to cut out certain things, like stop eating these certain things. Just try it. Just try cutting out sugar for a few weeks. And almost every time, you know, oh, it got so much better. I don't have it anymore. Um, so it's a thing. Um, so going keto, you don't even have to go keto. Just cutting out that standard American diet stuff, you know, the refined processed grains, processed sugars, processed everything, you know, cut those things out. And the reason that is a big issue is because usually the refined processed foods have added sugars that you won't even know are in there um, unless you really look for them. Um, so that's a big thing. And now that I don't do that, I rarely have it. It's not, I drink a lot of sparkling water. You see me drinking my sparkling water. I always thought that did it. That doesn't do it either. It is those starchy, sugary foods that does it. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. Thank you, mom, for making sure that I was focused on that question. <laughs> I love mom. See, mom keep yes. in mind. Okay, yeah. so, so let me just change gears. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go this way. You were practicing standardized medicine, and now you're mm -hmm. into holistic health. And I know. I think you just took another board certification a while back. I think the last time that I we did. and and we did and you did get that correct. Mm -hmm. Yep, I'm obesity medicine certified now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I knew you was going to get it. I knew you was going to get it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. The first time. I knew you was going to get it. But anyway, congratulations on that. Congratulations. 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 Um, so what was the cause? Why did you switch from practicing standardized medicine to going to holistic health? Um, you know, this one's always tough. I mean, it's something that it was a moral compass, but I go deeper and say it was spiritual. It was a spiritual pull. Um, a, a purpose thing um, that over time, um, as I was healing and my body was changing and I was starting to really have the opportunity to talk to people to really get a grasp. So that's what scientists do. My son still says I'm not a scientist, but, you know, we, we won't talk about that. But that's what scientists do. You ask questions, you're curious, you're, you know, kind of figuring out what's going on. And so, like I said, I had people in front of me. I could just say, hey, what are you what are you eating? What are you doing? And so forth. And. Um, it became really obvious to me <laughs> that a lot of these things that were puzzles that we couldn't figure out were coming from these lifestyles. And like I always say, you don't have, they didn't have to do keto. It was just the standard American diet almost every time. It was like, man, if it wasn't that, it was lack of sleep. It was stress. It was uh, overwhelmed. It was all of those things. And I was like, this got it. There's, this is crazy, you know? And so as I went through, I became more holistic just automatically. You know, I wanted to know about that stuff. I'm talking to them about that stuff. And like, well, what happened is um, I would spend all this time with them, but the, the system, and you know the system very well, only allows 15 minutes. It's just how it is. So by the time they get checked in and you go through all their quality measures and all this stuff, which is a bunch of check boxes and people mm -hmm. with explaining all that, that, you know, making sure you have your vaccine and this and that and the other thing, it was... Mm -hmm. taking up all the time. And I would sit there and sometimes I would just be like, forget it. I'm just going to sit here and talk to this person for an hour because they really need this. But I couldn't do that consistently. And I found it to be very frustrating when over time I was starting to get people word of mouth. They find out that I practice this way and they will start to seek me out. 
So I started getting more people that were having these metabolic issues, you know, blood pressure, diabetes. I'm like, she doesn't, you know, she tries to talk to you about your nutrition, you know, go see her. And it just got harder and harder and harder to do that. And it became this thing where I was like, you know, and I'm a Christian. So it was like, God, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And what I discovered Mm -hmm. was that he had me there so that I could get the background that I got, that I could get well-versed in the standard system so that I could really understand the body and how things work. So that now when I'm on this other side, I can see it from both sides. And that's what's been the blessing in it is like now that I'm able to work with um, people regarding this in a more meaningful way, um, it allows me to see that and I can commiserate with them. You know, I can say, man, you know, um, you know, when I was in outpatient family medicine, we couldn't do this and we couldn't do that. And it helps to kind of bridge a gap, too. So there's like a second purpose there of becoming a physician that is bridging that gap between the traditional and the holistic system and being able to kind of let people know that we're not, nobody's out to like, you know, ruin your life, but the system is broken. The system is so broken. Um, And it, you know, you feel crazy because when you go, when you go keto, there's just all this stuff that's happening. Like this cannot possibly be the answer to all this stuff, but it was just so crazy how all of it was fitting together and I was just like, yeah, this is not for me. And it became a it became a moral dilemma. It got to the point where it was physically um, painful. To, and people were like, what does that mean? I'm like, it was physically painful to the point that when I finally made the decision, mm-hmm. I actually wrestled with God about this because I'm like, you know, benefits are nice. <laughs> and I've been working this job for 15, 15 years at that point, And I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And God was like, no, you, you've you got to go this other way. You've got to do this in a different way. You've got to reach more people. Yeah. Um, and it was just absolutely. And at that point, the other thing I'll say is at that point, I had joined Clubhouse, which had a big role in that, in the sense that and you think, oh, social media, what did that have to do with it? But hearing those stories of people that had gone outside the medical system, typically changed yeah. their whole lifestyle and they're listing these things. I mean, at this point, I've probably heard thousands of stories just on that app of people who have changed their lifestyle in some meaningful way, maybe not keto, low carb, paleo, whatever it is. And their life is completely different. They're getting off medication. They can move better. They can sleep better. They're less stressed. They've changed their career, you know, all of those things from this lifestyle. So that, that kind of like, solidified it for me. It was like, you know, this is a thing. This is something that um, is really making a difference. And like I said, even if it's not keto per se, just helping people understand that they can change because a lot of people don't feel they can change. And what we do is, even though it's becoming more accepted, it's somewhat countercultural <laughs> to 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 kind of head this way, you know, right. um, even though it really is just eating real food. Um, it becomes this like, oh, don't do that. And it's re- I think it's really because of just the, the bad advice out there about it, like you mentioned right. earlier, um, because a lot of people don't have the right idea about it. But yeah, I mean, it, it really, seeing that, I couldn't continue to see that and not do something about it. And so um, ultimately God made the decision for me and <laughs> it's like, this is what you have to do, so do it. So yeah, so that, that was what made me make the shift. That is awesome. See? <laughs> I'm so, look, I'm just hands up. I'm good. I love, I love, <laughs> I love it every time we. I love it every time we talk because it's just such. It's such. A, it's very, very refreshing to see um, physicians and I. You know, talk to doctors and practitioners 
who understand that there's something bigger going going wrong with a lot of the medical systems and the understanding of how patient care is being done to where it takes it's 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 it takes a lot of faith to be able to step out and do that and it, you know what you're doing is um very more than more than commendable you know yeah. everybody y'all make sure you look this dr mila y'all make sure i'm gonna make sure y'all have all of her information especially her podcast as well which is the living well we're gonna circle back to that when we get close <laughs> to the end because mm-hmm. ladies women you know I, I talk about keto on on my level dr mila she could take you to another level all right i'm not gonna separate and hoard it i'm gonna make sure that you get exactly what you need (laughs) from the resources that you need to get it from. And Dr. Mila is a fantastic resource. I'm so happy that I was able to meet her on Clubhouse when I was there. And and I want to make sure that you guys are able to get this information. So um, I have one one more question and then we'll we'll get ready to get to the wrap up because I know you got things to do and I got little little small people in my home just like you have small people there too. Always a little people. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, my son was about to sit up here and do this podcast with me. I was like, mm-hmm. next time. Yes, mine has tried that as well. So don't feel bad. <laughs> I call him my producer. That's how bad it gets sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And my mom, see, my, my friend brother said that my mom is my executive producer because she's trying to keep mm-hmm. me on task here. There you but go. my wife, she, she's back there with the kiddos. And, uh, you know, my, my son, he popped his head in. He was like, I was like, cool. <laughs> so. So one of the last questions that we'll address, um, this, is, this is a good one. Can keto help and, imp- and or improve patients that are recovering from COVID and or pneumonia? That's a really great question. You know, that's the C word, the word that shall not be named. But um, yeah. <laughs> it is, it is um, definitely, um, and the way I'll break it down is um, most viruses, especially that particular virus, have to do with an inflammatory response. Our bodies. Um, inflame when there's something wrong. So, you know, we see inflammation as like a skin rash or a joint issue or something like that. Those are definitely um, smaller level inflammation, but your body can inflame altogether. Um, And one of the main sources of inflammation is that extra weight around the middle we talked about earlier that you get with insulin resistance. It's the, by the way I explain it, this is a simplified version. I just explain things the way it helps me to understand it. But the body um, sees that as an abnormal storage process. We should not be storing weight that way. So it starts to send out these inflammatory signals like, hey, something is wrong here. This is not right. And so what that does is it affects everything. um, And it makes us more susceptible to um, infections, but also to, um, because if you think about it, now your body's fighting something. So you have something else that comes in and it has to fight that too. (laughs) So it's like, wait a minute, this is too much. When you have a virus like that, it overwhelms the system because it's highly inflammatory. So it's even more of a of a pressure on the system, so to speak. And so then you end up with that, you know, kind of process that can be varying, right? Some people are fine and then some people have really severe symptoms. Um, and there are some studies now um, where they're starting to look at um, the lung function, pulmonary function after having COVID and um, the ketogenic lifestyle. There's one study in particular that was a smaller study, but they talked about how it could be beneficial. And really it comes down to that inflammatory component. Um, The body is able to fight inflammation or improve inflammation better when we're eating that way. And it's just, again, you know, think about your food that way. If you're eating a lot of processed packaged stuff, 
um, your body has to fight that too. <laughs> so right. coming in, it's damaged your microbiome, your bowel. So your bowel is your first line of defense a lot of times. So you think about it, things that are going into your GI tract are coming from outside the body. Same thing with your lungs, since we're talking about pneumonia, from outside your body and your body is seeing this and it's like, oh wait, what do we do with this? Well, unfortunately, especially in the bowel, there becomes these, you know, there's kind of like this juncture where it can't get through. But when you've eaten such a way or you've been stressed or you've had other things going on, it's just not as tight. So things start to slip through, creates inflammation. So you have all these different sources of inflammation going on. You get this infection, massive inflammation, and it's it's horrible, horrendous, right? right. So, and I'm not laughing about it being horrendous, but it's just a lot on the body. Um, and so then you end up with um, the complications. And so, yeah, I mean, cutting back on those types of foods can help. I really think, and this is not, they haven't discovered or said this yet. They're starting to say it. But I really, truly believe that the common denominator when people don't do well is that metabolic health, um, their, st their health status. And it's mm -hmm. not their weight, because we talked about weight in detail. The weight is a factor but it's just a piece of the puzzle because there's people right. that are smaller than both you and I that have all of those metabolic health risks. So I truly believe that that is the common denominator and it won't always show up as high blood pressure, high blood sugar, high HD or low HDL and high triglycerides. It will show up as maybe that weight increase waist circumference, maybe not um, where the right. body is in the state of insulin resistance before it starts to show that major issue and you're just having to still fight off this inflammation or try to fight through it. Um, and so, yeah, so my long-winded answer to that is yes, I do <laughs> believe that low-carb keto change. And when I say that, I just simply mean cutting out those excessive sugars, refined processed carbohydrates and things like that um, can definitely help your body move towards healing from those types of things. Again, it doesn't mean that you don't seek treatment. doesn't mean that you don't go to the hospital if you need to. Because this can be still a very serious infection, even though we like for it to go away. <laughs> it's very serious. Don't take it lightly. But if you, you know, if you're starting to recover, especially now we're seeing these long COVID infections, you really want to be thinking about how can I change what I'm eating? What information can I give my body through my nutrition that will help it to heal? That was not the long-winded answer. That was the perfect <laughs> answer. That was a perfect explanation because we needed to hear A, B, C, subsection A, subsection B too, because it's it, it's it's important. It, it's it's truly important. A lot of the, and, and a lot of your immune recovery is is also tied into what you're putting in as far as fuel, because if you're putting things in your body that's going to be based off of burning sugar, which you're going to have sugar highs and sugar lows, but your heart rate's going to go up and your heart rate's going to go down. Your cognitive, your cognitive function is going to start to go crazy when you have your sugar lows. Your body's not in what's called homeostasis. Come on, doctor. This is my A&P time. Uh, <laughs> you know, your body's not balanced mm -hmm. because it's constantly mm -hmm. out of flux. And when it's out of flux, it can't heal. Mm -hmm. when, when you, you know, when it can't heal, you, when you're not adding, you know, making sure that you're getting adequate rest or having the proper hydration, which is mm -hmm. water you know, or something with electrolytes, not, uh, and we have to say Gatorade is not a healthy electrolyte. Powerade <laughs> is not a healthy electrolyte. They're no. full of sugar. <laughs> yes. Stay away from it. Okay. Yep. It's good because, you know, it helps athletes and all the other stuff, but it is not good on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't, 
I look, there's Go uh, Go Ultima uh, uh, Replenisher, which is an electrolyte. That's that's the main one that I use, y'all, and that and mm-hmm. they are fantastic. They're, the sweetener is stevia, mm-hmm. uh, which is a which is an organic leaf, which is good for you. Doesn't spike your glycemic index at all. It is fantastic. But you have to start with what you put in your body is what's going to be key to your overall health and wellness, and and especially recovery. You know, because, you know, if you have recovering from COVID and you have diabetes, you also have to be considerate of that, too. So your meds, everything has its purpose and balance. Check with your primary care. Make sure that you're going about it the right way so that way your immune system can go ahead and get what it needs. And that way you're managing your diabetes and any other things that you have going along that COVID can also uh, exacerbate more. So, yeah, Thank you, Dr. Mila. See, I, see, I knew it. I knew it was a reason why we, we, I had to I had to reach out to you again. Um, so it's it's the hour mark. I usually try to keep these forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah. Because I know we got lives. Because I know I I I, w- I would love to pick your brain for another thirty <laughs> minutes or so. Um, if at all possible, I would like to ask you: Would you mind coming back? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know. And I know the listeners and everything. I um, I talked to my one of my sorors from Zeta Phi Beta. She was. I told her about it. She. I think she's on. She's been watching here too. Oh, cool. And she's and she's been uh, sharing this as well. I'm going to share it to everybody as well because this is this is key. She's she's been doing keto mm-hmm. as well, and she was oh, like, wow. okay. I, said, I have a. Have, I have a have a provider who's going to be on if you want to tune in. She was like, really? I said. <laughs> Come on in. So I want to make sure that, we, you know, men's health is great. We're going to talk about that, but especially for women's health, for women's issues, for anything. Um, by all means, I would love to have you back. So that way, one, we can, you know, you can definitely, you know, get 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 the info out there and promote yourself because I don't have no problems promoting you. Uh, my mom wants to know what hospital you were at. So that way she can, she wants you as a doctor now. <laughs> That's super funny, but um, I know I'm not I'm I'm not that kind of doctor anymore. It's kind of people ask me that all the time. It's so funny. I'm like I'm just a doctor on TV. I work virtually, so yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm not doing primary care now, so it's it's different. But but thank I got you. you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. But um, Doctor Mila, um, could you go ahead um while we wrap up? Could you go ahead and let us uh let let my listeners and let everybody who's watching know how you can be reached. Absolutely. So I do have the Single Well podcast. Um, I am in the process of revamping and restructuring it, but it is on um, it is on all your major podcast platforms. I've only um, I've only missed what like two weeks now, I think, because I'm trying to figure out how I can reach more people. Um, mm-hmm. So the Single Well podcast is based on um, you know single moms and just that wellness journey that I experienced and wanting to share that with other single moms because. That is another place where there's a lot of healthcare disparities that we don't realize. Um, and with the added pressure of um, caring for a child on their own, or even with a with a um, with a supportive co-parent like I have, there's just a different dynamic that happens when you are um, taking care of a child on your own, you know, um, and trying to take care of you too. So um, I encourage you to listen to that. The cool thing about the single well is it started out as my other podcast, Pivot and Bloom which may be making a reappearance. So that's a teaser. Okay. But okay. Pivot and Bloom was the first 
season of the single well. So they're all on the same platform. You can go back. There's two, almost two years worth of content there, just about all kind of different wellness um, topics. Um, I'm also on uh, Instagram um, at the single well, just spelled out. Um, so that's a good place to um, reach out to me and connect with me. Um, so I answer inbox messages and so forth there. Um, so yeah, absolutely reach out. And then also I have um, a direct email for the single well um, at the single or the single well at gmail.com. So that's another place to reach out and ask questions and so forth. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Awesome. I'm, I'm trying to put all this up here. And, and the, <laughs> the website is, or the email is the single well at gmail.com. Yes. Okay. Yep. So, boom, on the screen, people, y'all go ahead and get that info. And she has a single well podcast. All right. This is where you can listen to the, to the awesome information that she disseminates to her listeners. And she is fantastic. I've been uh, in, in clubhouse groups to where she has given classes like lectures to where i'm serious i for some reason when i listen to you talk on on, on clubhouse i felt like i need to owe you financial aid or something because i, I it, it was it was <laughs> because because the information is so it's so good it's like yeah i think i need to be paying tuition right now <laughs> I just, I just like, but but again, Dr. Mila, I'm so happy that you were able to take time out of your busy schedule to come on to my show, my live show, second You're episode. So excited. And um, be able to share your expertise and your experience with my listeners. It's been just it's it's always it's always so much fun. It's always such a pleasure to um, talk with you again. Um, you as well. As I wrap up, I'll say I'll say the same way I say on my podcast. You know. People will forget what you look like. People will forget your voice. People may forget your name, but they'll never forget the positive impact that you've made in somebody's life. So always take the opportunity whenever you can to enrich somebody's life. Don't get yourself tied up in knots. And I'm not spelling it N-O-T-S, K-N-O-T-S. Like I'm not good enough or I'm not able to do this or I'm, don't get yourself tied up in that. Your wellness, the best part of your living is on the other side of your fear. Don't run from it. Go about it the right way. Make informed decisions. Get all the information that you can so that way you can do it safely. Because I want you to be safe. Dr. Mila wants you to be safe. We want you to be healthy so that way, one, you can enjoy your life and, and be able to be there for the best parts of everybody else's life. So you can reach my podcast, which is the Keto Mountain One podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, uh, I say Anchor, uh, Amazon, That's Apple so Podcasts. <laughs> I'm, I'm every, everywhere. My Instagram is Keto Mountain One podcast. If you want to, if you have any questions or for any, any topics or discussions, you can email me, Keto Mountain One podcast at gmail.com. Or you can, for the people who are my friends and family, y'all know how to contact me phone number it's you know back back channel however but it, and if you're on clubhouse i want to say this too if you haven't been able to be on clubhouse if you don't know what clubhouse is get on clubhouse because there are keto groups there's keto for the soul keto saved my life and dr mila frequencies groups uh a lot with a whole lot of other women and men and they break down you know keto discussions to where those are live forums too to where you can get in you can ask your questions um, and, and I'm serious. These are fantastic groups full of fantastic people on Clubhouse. By all means, my uh, go, my good friend 
Triple J, he's on there, and I'm gonna try. We we still working on something, and he. I'm serious. Go check out Clubhouse. Check out these keto groups because you can get a lot of information from these groups. Dr. Neal is there. Whole lot of resources there as well. So I just want to make sure I plug that because Dr. Mila is everywhere in these keto streets. So again, everybody, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, this is Daniel, your keto EMT, and we are gone till the next time. Peace.